Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey, everybody, it's Julie on Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk about all things green and growing that God gave us. Today, we are going to cover our last herb in our herb garden series, and it is sage. Now, sometimes there's a little bit of confusion about sage uh, because there are some pagan traditions that talk about white sage or um, sage smudging, and I just want to clear that up that um, sage smudging as a Native American tradition is not with the garden sage. So let's let's clear that up. It's not garden sage. It's a, it's a completely different plant altogether that just happens to have the word sage in it. And we will talk about that in a little bit here in our podcast. So sage has a really long history of use. And uh, it starts with the ancient Egyptians. The name sage, uh, it comes from, well, the Latin name for sage is salvia officinalis. Now, officinalis is not the only sage that's used. There's also uh, pineapple sage, and there's clary sage, and there's different varieties of sage. It has slightly different properties, medicinally, but um, but they're, they're all sage, and they have mostly similar things. Um, but uh, yeah, there are some different properties. So the records of sage use go back as far as the Egyptians, and at that time they used sage to promote fertility in women. And it does have some emenagogic effects, which means that it promotes menstruation. So maybe they made that association. Uh, but clary sage is the sage that is more feminine. It has more uh, of an effect on female issues. And so maybe that's really the one they used. It's not real clear in the literature which one it was exactly because of the way that words are translated from one language to another. And of course, Egyptian is hieroglyphic, so it's, you know, it's not always real clear. It was used by the ancient Greeks as well, and they used it to treat snake bites. And they also thought that if you ate sage, it would make you wise. And that if it was in your garden... It would give you long life. So they had some interesting ideas. The Romans used sage in a few different ways. In fact, they revered sage so much that just cutting it involved some special clothing and ceremonial foot washing. And they had to use a special knife even. (laughs) They found that if you used an iron knife 
that it would change the chemical properties of the plant. So they used, I don't know, maybe a stone knife or a copper knife or um, I don't know, something else. But uh, it was not an iron knife. They liked to cook with it because they felt that it would help them to digest fatty meats. And in fact, it is used a little bit like that today, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. They'd hang it on their bedposts because they thought that it promoted fidelity. So sort of going back to that idea of promoting fertility, they just thought if you hang it and the smell of it, I guess, would have some kind of an effect on uh, the marriage bed and relationships. But... They did use it mostly for medicinal purposes. It wasn't just for ceremony and things. They really highly valued it for medicine. And uh, Dioscorides, the military physician I've referenced in other podcasts, he thought that sage was one of the most important herbs of the time. And In fact, sage was included as part of the Roman pharmacopoeia. It was used to heal ulcers, to stop wounds from bleeding, and it was used to soothe sore throats and for stomach ulcers. Now, I mentioned this Native American sage. They revere sagebrush. And sagebrush is part of the, uh, it's Artemisia, which is related to wormwood, whereas garden sage is part of the Lamaceae family, which is the mint family, related to thyme and oregano and those kinds of herbs. So they're not even related at all. (laughs) And in fact, sage, uh, the garden herb, It's native to the Mediterranean, so Native Americans would never have even come across cooking sage because it wasn't even brought here until the settlers came. So the sacred sage that Native Americans use comes from a big bush, and it's not the garden sage. So just make sure that you have that clear if you're talking about it. Or if, you know, if you are into Native American traditions and thinking about it. But their tradition for sage brush is that they believe that burning it takes the prayers up to the great spirit. And even garden sage can, has been used for purifying a little bit and um, for those antimicrobial illness types of issues. The Celts used it over in Europe, so that's a diff- another group that you may not have heard of that used sage, and there were some superstitions around that that are related to what the Native Americans used it for, so I'm getting there. So the Celts, even though it grew around the Mediterranean, they discovered sage probably through trade or conquest, and they associated some of the same attributes to it as the Greeks did. They believed that it represented wisdom and that eating sage would somehow provide immortality. They used it traditionally for clearing mucus congestion 
and for night sweats and wounds and sore throats, a lot like other traditions. And in the Middle Ages, the French became very well known for their crops of sage. So now it became a cultivated plant and they traded it all over the known world, even as far as China. So the Celts heard about it and the Chinese far away, they found out about it because of trade and they loved sage tea so much that they would trade three or four pounds of Chinese black tea for every one pound of sage tea. Talk about a nice exchange, right? Um, Many people in China would use sage to treat colds, joint pain, typhoid fever, and kidney and liver issues. So the Chinese get right to work with their medicinal uses and learning about this new plant. And probably some of the travelers coming there with the, uh, with the sage to sell would share some of the ways that it's used in Europe, of course. So it spreads from the Mediterranean up to the Celts and out to the Chinese and probably many places in between that we just don't know about, maybe the Middle East and uh, India, because they, of course, have long-standing medicinal traditions as well. We just don't hear about those as much. Also in the Middle Ages, during the reign of Charlemagne, sage was planted, he insisted that sage be planted widely. In fact, he ordered that it be planted in all the German gardens and farms because he felt that it was an important plant. In fact, one of his schools, sage, was one of 100 plants that was grown in the property. And he wanted all the monasteries, which monasteries and schools were kind of synonymous uh, during that time. They're often affiliated with the church. And they were required to grow sage. And even today, a lot of monasteries are required to grow sage. At the time, it was it was one of 16 herbs that were used for therapies, and it was a key player in the development of their drug therapies that they would use. So along those lines of those superstitious and um, beliefs about evil spirits, you know, people still believe that sage would prolong one's life and provide a positive effect on the nerves. They had a proverb that, that went like this, why should a man die if sage grows in his garden? That was their proverb. And they believed that it would ward off evil spirits. Now, I think that the reason why they thought that is because sage does have some antimicrobial properties, and it was good for getting rid of illness and things, and they often affiliated evil spirits with illness. That's not a bad deduction per se. Um, We know that now that illness is caused by little germs, but... Because people would get very sick and die, they would affiliate illness with bad spirits. So they did use sage in that way. And they said so much about sage that in 1688, a gentleman by the name of Paulini from Augsburg wrote a 400-page book in Latin that was just about sage. Only sage. Can you imagine that? A 400-page book about one 
plant. We do have some books like that today, but they're not about sage. Um, so as we move more towards modern times and how to grow it and things like that, sage today is, it still has culinary uses. And among those culinary uses is in sausage. So fatty meats, yes. And it is also an integral part of making Thanksgiving stuffing and seasoning pork as well, as I said, with sausage, but in other ways too. And it also adds a really nice flavor to cheeses and has in fact been used in cheese making and butters and in roasted root vegetables. So... It has, because it can kill harmful bacteria, it has also been used to keep meats fresh and has been used as a preservative when there was no refrigeration. So what about growing this plant? So remember, it is part of the same family as thyme and oregano, and it is also native to the Mediterranean area. So guess what? It has a lot of the same growing needs. So it too is used to growing in that rocky mountainous area. And uh, just like those plants, it needs very well-drained soil. It does not do well if the soil is too wet. It, it you, You'll kill the plant again. You also do better if you plant it in full sun. It will tolerate some partial sun, but it really needs full sun, just like its relatives. It is a really interesting plant in that it has its, if if you know about lamb's ears, it's got that sort of fuzzy sheen on it. Well, sage has that also. It's got, the leaves are kind of fuzzy. And, and very silky feeling. And uh, they don't have the same kind of shape as the thyme and oregano plants. They're larger, the leaves are larger, and uh, just softer. And But they are a kind of a similar color, kind of this gray-green color. And like other members of the family, they have a squarish stem. But the color of the flowers can be a little different depending on which variety of sage that you're growing. But they're just like its relatives. It has like these little flowers. They're not, they're not large flowers at all. Um, it is a little bushy. So you can grow it in pots. It doesn't get to be super huge. It's maybe a two foot tall plant. And it does need a lot of room because of how wide it can get. So it's not bad to just plant it in pots. But it can take a while for the seeds to sprout. So it may be more fun for you to just get a small plant that's already sprouted and work with that because it can take a while. So you also want to be careful about mildew because those Fuzzy leaves do trap water, and because it can be kind of bushy, it it tends to sort of trap moisture in there, so you want to prune it so that airflow can get through there and, and you don't get the mildew growing. Let's talk a little bit about what is so special about sage that we've learned in modern times that can tell us a little bit about how uh, the ancients 
discovered some of these things about its uses and how some cautions and how it, it's used today. So sage is used both as the herb, as the Chinese would use it in, as a tea, could use the sage tea. Uh, it's used in culinary uses, as I mentioned, but it's also an essential oil. So the sage essential oil contains several chemical constituents, things like salvine, pinene, cineol, borneol, esters, and thujon. And some varieties of sage have high amounts of thujon and other varieties, not as much. So it does matter which species that you are using and where it's grown. Once again, it does matter. You get different chemotypes depending on where it's grown. So some, because some varieties also contain a couple of other constituents, cedrine and salviol. So it is stimulant, antispasmodic, astringent, tonic, carminative, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, antispasmodic, <laughs> antiviral, digestive, diuretic, emetagogue, expectorant, and mucolytic. <sighs> There's a lot of actions in the body. Um, no wonder some of the ancients said, oh, you know, if you have it, it's for long life. Well, if it does all those things, you start to kind of wonder maybe. Um, it has been used as a mouthwash and a gargle for oral complaints. Um, that's more of the tea. If it's very diluted, maybe the sage, uh, that's something that would really need to be tested uh, before putting in your mouth like that. You never, ever, ever use essential oils just straight like that, uh, especially not one that has uh, thujones. You can be taken for fevers, blood cleanser, and for digestive complaints like the ancients were doing. Uh, that I mean... They used it to help them with digestion and uh, and for mouth sores and things like that. So that was more the tea that they would use in that way. And it, it has been used sometimes. Uh, the essential oil has been used for arthritic and rheumatic complaints and muscle pains. Nutritionally, only one tablespoon... I don't know anybody who uses that much sage, but maybe in a tea, if you're having a few cups a day, mm. <laughs> but one tablespoon contains 43% of the recommended daily intake for vitamin K. So that's, that's an unusual source for vitamin K. We don't often hear about that. It's also a significant source of vitamin A, B6, calcium, iron, magnesium, and manganese. So a lot like its relatives. These herbs bring in not just the medicinal qualities, but also the nutritional qualities and uh, just are such great helps for us. So some warnings about this plant. Because of its actions in the body, it is recommended that very, very strongly recommended. Do not use this as a tea or oil or any of those things during pregnancy or lactation. And 
children under the age of 10 should not be using this. No teas or any of that. Um, and, you know, because of the Fujian content of the essential oil, prolonged use is not recommended. So some things, you know, you really just have to be careful with. But, uh, but it is awesome to use in cooking because it's such small amounts and it's all distributed out. And it's a nice little herb to have in your garden. Smells great and can help uh, keep the pests away. So we will not be having a recording next week or taking a little break. Uh, so um, we will see you in a couple weeks and enjoy all of the herb garden plants in this series and uh, catch up with me and tell me what you think at Julie Naturally on Facebook and also at julie.naturally on Instagram. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless. God bless.